this guy was a talent. And, you know, the various reports to say that he was easier to coach, so they put him on defense that way. Like, that is not how you handle a dynamic talent. I don't think that there's ultimately going to be the stomach in Regina for another Chris Jones rebuild. How you doing everybody he's Chez. i'm balls davis sanchez james sabalski this is the waggle here talking all things canadian football league issues and as always the waggle chesy is brought to you by sport clips you know it by the way if you ever wanted to look as fresh and as hip as one Davis Sanchez, you know, you say hip, three you time Great Cup champion. Yeah, you know, then I, I immediately made you seem old. I think I gotta, I yeah. gotta stop saying hip. You made, yeah, your, you no, made yourself, you made yourself seem old. I didn't say I was hip. You did. Yeah, that is that is a podcast version of the old man emoji right there. But regardless, if you want to get the old man emoji haircut, they can do that for you at Sport Clips. <laughs> and just to ask for the Sport Clips MVP haircut experience that Chaz always uh, asks for because you get the hot steam towels, massaging shampoos, all that yeah, good yeah, stuff. Yeah. Look, Chaz, we are just weak. Look, we are we are just weeks away from the Labor Day Classics in the Canadian Football League. We are just, you know, you got NFL preseason happening right now. All sorts. Hockey preseason's just around the corner. Uh, It's almost back to school. This is the perfect time to go in and look as fresh as possible and watching all sorts of sports on TV and legendary haircuts. And for first-time customers right now, get yourself a free MVP haircut experience by simply going to cfl.ca slash waggle and you can redeem your own free coupon for a uh, fresh cut. Courtesy hey James, who, of sports. who likes free? Who likes free, James? This guy loves free. And you know who else likes free, Chessie? Everybody, Everybody loves free. <laughs> uh, sport Clips. Find the nearest Sport Clips nearest you at sportclips.ca. So the Canadian Football League, based on uh, the mainstream media coverage and pretty much the regular coverage of the Canadian Football League, is pretty much, by and large, in 2018, centered around two people. And they are the focal points of this episode, yet again, Chez. <laughs> and I don't know if they're for the right or I think they're basically for the wrong reasons, but the big story here, Chez, uh, that everybody's been buzzing about is the sudden cutting in Saskatchewan by the Saskatchewan Rough Riders of one of the most dynamic personalities and playmakers in the CFL, Deron Carter. Uh, what was your reaction when you saw this? Deron, uh, I thought, honestly, it was, uh, I was, it was during the game. I was, I was on the panel at the time I, I believe it was winnipeg was it winnipeg uh Ottawa shameless game? plug that's you know what that, i just want to stop you right that is a shameless plug okay for shameless. for for me or for the panel for you yes for you <laughs> that news because it happened during the game it, it dominated yeah. it dominated the, the coverage of the game almost because everyone everybody who heard the news was you know right in the middle of the game it was a, a halftime like a few minutes before halftime that we actually heard the tweet i got a, a call from Derek. Derek Taylor, is that a plug? Is that a Derek Taylor plug too? Well, you just that shows how many people you know. You know yeah. some big deals. Right. He's oh, the only. Yes. I think he's the only media guy that Deron Carter reaches out to. So DT, oh, they they love each other. 
They love each other. <laughs> anyway, Derek T- Taylor had sent a message saying Deron Carter is being cut, and I looked down at my phone. And I was like, what? The point is, is you thought it was Deron playing around because you know Deron likes to have fun, and he's that's you know Deron's a funny guy. He likes to make pranks and jokes. So you thought he was? I thought he was joking at first, and then. So you're on set at the time with everybody? Exactly. So we're on set, okay. about to get ready. I think we're about to get ready to go into the halftime, the halftime show, and and uh, we're kind of looking at this like, wow, can we talk about this? And and uh, you know, is it? Can we confirm that it's legit? And, and uh, so by the time, I think by the time it might have been a couple minutes left in the half, so by the time that we could confirm it, we had already finished uh, most of the halftime segment. Segment, but you do think when you first see that, you do think that it's it's it might be a joke because a joke, you look yeah. at. Well, you look at what you know what's happening with the Riders. Their offense is in the bottom third of the league. Um, they've obviously struggled to put up points. They're coming off, you know, they're coming off another you know, last last week. They put up nineteen points that their last game, twenty two the week before that. I mean, they're not. This team is not putting up points, and, and it was all they they had to run over there because they wanted to uh, on defense because Nick Marshall was out. Nick Marshall's now come back, and you think, okay, great. Now let's get to Ron where he needs to be with Naaman Roosevelt and, and Caleb Holly and, and let's, uh, let's get this – Zach's now back healthy. Let's get, get this offense going, and boom goes the dynamite. He's been released. So it was it, – it didn't really make sense. And so that was my initial thought was, wow, what, what happened? I thought there had to be an incident, uh, one particular incident that happened um, that made this go, and Chris Jones came out and, and denied that and said there was not one particular incident that happened. Yeah, he, he didn't, you know, Chris Jones has tried to do everything he can to take the high road in this. But, you know, Chez, I, I'm, I'm trying to think since we've launched this podcast um, back at the beginning of the season in 2016, we have had multiple, multiple discussions about Deron Carter. We've had him as guests on, as a guest on this show multiple times as well. And I feel like I've been the defender of Deron Carter Many, many times. I think, I, I hey, listen, full on, I have been a Deron Carter fan. You have been. I love the, you have I, been. Yep. I love, yeah, I love the personality. I think the Canadian Football League needs more personalities like that. He is an attraction. He is somebody that fans pay to see. He makes plays on the field. He interacts with the fans like very few do. He plays along. He plays the role of a villain well. He plays the role of a hero well. But I am getting off the Deron Carter train here. And, and, here, and, here's, and here's why. I have been kind of the subscriber to maybe this guy is simply misunderstood. Maybe, maybe he is just misunderstood over the years. And I look at it and I say this, maybe he's misunderstood based on what happened in college. Maybe he's been misunderstood after what happened with some of his chances trying to crack the National Football League. Maybe he's been misunderstood from his time with the Montreal Alouettes when they ultimately cut bait on him despite having one of the worst offenses in football at the time in 2016. And even despite the two pending marijuana charges against him, even though pot's going to be legalized in just a couple of months from now here in Canada. So, you know, the fact is they're still outstanding. Even after all of that, I get off the train because this time I can't subscribe to the he's misunderstood anymore. 
This is a guy who, if there was anybody who would have been a Deron Carter guy, and you can speak to this probably way better than I will ever be able to, Davis, but from the eyeball test and just from the personality and the character that Chris Jones is, I can't imagine anybody being more of a Deron Carter guy than your former coach, Chris Jones, who's the head man in Regina. Am I right? Am I wrong here? You were, you were dead right. You were, you were spot on with that. That's, that's, that's how I, I'm not, here's the thing. We're not here to make judgment on, 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 on situations we don't know about. You know, we give opinions on football. We can talk about, you know, stuff outside of football, off the field issues if we, you know, we hear quotes or whatever it is. But we don't know what happened behind closed doors. So we can't, I can't fully, and you can't fully say what Duran's issue is or what the issue is that got Duran out of there. But if you put the pieces together, you know what Chris, I, I know, like you said, I know Chris Jones very well. I know that he's very lenient. And he's a guy, all, all players are not going to be treated the same. And that, that goes throughout professional sports. That's just, you know, that sounds good when you're in youth sports or in kid camp. Everyone's going to be treated the same. But in professional sports, that's not the way it goes. And if anybody, anybody is willing to bend to accommodate a special personality and because of their talent, it's Chris Jones. And Duran's that guy. Duran definitely got treated differently than most. And Chris Jones is, is a disciple of, of the late, great Don Matthews. And I played for Don as well. And Chris was on the staff that I played with Don. And I can tell you that Don would allow, as long as you perform on game day, Don, would, you could do whatever you want. As long as you were respectful in the community and didn't get in trouble with the law and you were good to your family, Don would let you could do whatever. You could come to practice and take a nap if you wanted to and wake up when it's over. As long as Don knew that you would perform. I'm not exaggerating either. And as long as Don knew that you knew your calls and you knew, and that's, you would never find that anymore. What Don, that, that was the end of that. Don Matthews passing was the end of the coaches. Um, like like Don, he was uh, he really believed. You hear a lot of people talk about it's, it's the results that matter, it's the results business and all that. Don lived it, and Chris Jones came got his first pro job with Don. So Chris Jones is a big believer in that. I don't think obviously as time's gone on and it's a different day and age, you can't fully go the way Don used to. But Chris Jones gives more chances than most, and he's lenient. And as long as you make plays and you ball out. So to me, I don't think this is all on Chris Jones. I, I have, you know, putting the pieces together. I, I really believe that the offensive staff, whether it's Steve McAdoo was offensive coordinator and whoever else in that, on that offensive staff that, that couldn't deal with Duran anymore, that's who I think ultimately said, hey, I can't do this anymore. And, and that's just kind of me putting pieces together. But uh, I think that's where this came from. And the fact that Chris Jones, a team is struggling and needs playmakers, willing to get away from a guy who, who like you say, Chris is willing, or like I say, Chris is willing to do that, that tells me that there's a lot going on there. And it might also be a culture shift, James. Uh, you know, maybe they, they realize, hey, you know, we're not as close as we thought we are to the Calgary's and the Edmontons right now. And we're going to build for the future and build for moving forward. And we don't like what, what's going on in the room. It might not be all on Duran. It might be, you know, just he wasn't a fit. And let's just move on with something else and, uh, and go from there. 
You know, a couple of things to touch on what, what you just uh, addressed. One, you know, th- this is a, you know, the surprise is the fact that this offense has sputtered exactly like you said. Like, this is one of the lowest scoring offenses in the Canadian Football League. They currently rank, uh, you know, seventh out of nine teams. You know, so, you know, I think the absence of Zach Caleros for most of this season has obviously had an impact. But, you know, going forward, um, you know, wh- where do you go? What do you do with this? Because this guy was a talent. And, you know, the various reports to say that he was easier to coach, so they put him on defense that way. Like, that is not how you handle a dynamic talent. I don't think that there's ultimately going to be the stomach in Regina for another Chris Jones rebuild to try to retool. So I think they're kind of going to commit to it, right? We're going to continue. We're, we're going to talk about this with uh, with Daryl Davis as well. The uh, former president of the Football Reporters of Canada and also co-host of the Green Zone. Um in in Regina, a guy who has been a fixture covering uh, the the Riders for years, but but Chess, I I think that you know Chris Jones. And I don't think Chris Jones is in the wrong for making this move here, but I do think that you know there's a sense of urgency for him to get something figured out sooner rather than later. I I, I was one of those guys who thought that this was a legitimate Grey Cup heavyweight contender going into this season. Quite frankly, they don't look like it right now. In fact. They've got head-to-head matchups looming with the BC Lions still. Two head-to-head matchups, one of those coming up next week, not this week. And right now, the Lions at home, I would take the Lions based on their home record this year. They're unbeaten at home. You know, the Lions are starting to show some stuff here defensively as well. You know, it's not inconceivable now to look at the Riders and say this might be the weakest team in the CFL's West Division. It's a good division. It's the toughest division far and away, but... It's not inconceivable for me to see them finishing fifth now, given the way that the Lions are starting to show some signs of life here. They've got wins over Edmonton. They've got wins over the Bombers. Those are not, you know, those aren't lightweights. Those are legitimate victories. And they actually played, I thought they played Calgary pretty tough a couple of weeks ago as well. So, I mean, going back to Deron Carter, where now then? You know, the teams that are going to take a chance on Deron Carter, uh, to me, the ones that would work, are teams with strong veteran leadership within those respective rooms. Calgary looks like they could probably handle it, but they don't need a receiver right now based on what they have as a receiving core. Edmonton, I think they could probably handle his personality. But again, I don't think based on the playmakers that they have, they don't need him right now. So you start looking around. I don't think he's a fit with the Lions. I don't see him in Ottawa. So the suspects that would be out there, Hamilton, Toronto, and Montreal. Jim Pop brought him to the CFL to begin with in Montreal. Maybe there's a fit there. You know, you'll never know. But let me ask you this. If you're running the Winnipeg Blue Bombers right now, are you bringing in Deron Carter? That you know, honestly, that's the one. That'd be the one team that I would be. Yeah. That, you asked a very good question. That's a very good question. That's the one team that I, that has, great veteran leadership. They're extremely stable, uh, from president to GM to coaching staff. And they need it. Uh, and they need it. Yeah. I. I uh, that's a tough one. That's a real tough one. One eight hundred Kyle Walters. I don't know. That's a tough. They're not going to do it because I think O'Shea is pretty stubborn in his ways in regards to the kind of guy he wants in his locker room. So I think he's kind of painted himself into a corner where he, he probably can't do it because he's kind of always been that guy. And I, I believe that's how he is. He's not, it's not a, you know, he's not an act. He's, he's that way. Um, but you, it's, it'd, be, it'd be kind of tough to go and do that now after you've kind of preached, preached that, you know, culture and, and 
good people and all these other things that you preach. Not, and, and by the way, let me let me say it. It's not to say Duran's not that because like I, I always say this, and I, I hate to start it off with this all the time. Everyone I've ever talked to that's been around Duran says Duran's got a great heart and is a good and a good dude. And so yeah. it's not about it's never about Duran being a bad person. And I think this is where Duran gets frustrated, and I think Duran gets disappointed. I, I think for him, I bet he's probably. It, he won't say it, but it probably saddens him, and I, and I, I could see where he's coming from. I, you know, you know, myself, I've been, you know, in similar similar situations where, I, uh, you know, I, I, uh, you know, I'm not always the the, the most uh, beloved of, of places I've been, and it gets frustrating. But I, I, you know, for me, I learned I learned my lesson early early on. I was able to have you know the back half of my career be. You know, people. You know, I was a I was a leader and a good teammate and, and a good locker room guy. And because I learned and realized, hey, you know what? If you don't change what's going on, you're 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 going to keep getting these. Um, this is going to keep happening to you. And and that's not the that's not the, the narrative I wanted to have about my career. And so, you know, for the thing that happens with with Duran that disappoints me and continually does, and it does again this time, unless I hear something different this week. But you can rewind to our Waggle episodes when Duran got released. From Montreal, and my exact, my exact quote on that was, the one thing that he's saying right now. And this is, goes back to when he got released from Montreal. The one thing he's saying right now that rubs me the wrong way, that I don't like, is that Duran is saying, I wouldn't change anything. I wouldn't do anything differently. This is their decision. They do it. That they're gonna do what they're gonna do. What, moving forward, I wouldn't change anything. And this is. If you've been traded, cut, um, kicked out, whatever the situation where he's had to leave situations, it's never been from his talent, and he always it's always someone else's fault, or it's always a situation that leads to that, and it's never his fault. At some point, and this is what happened to me, at some point you got to look at it and say, you know what, this is probably some of my doing. Now he's not going to change who he is, but he's got to change. He's got to realize, hey, this is some of my doing. That's the part that frustrates that frustrates me, but that's the part that's hard for me to fully go in to to buy into. I'm, I'm kind of with you on on, on you know sell, selling and not buying. Is that the same story keeps on coming out and he's never apologetic. He's never taking responsibility. There's no accountability. It seems like and that's uh, you know the same things keep on happening. You have to at some point look and say, hey, this has got to be me. Well, this is something that I deal with as a parent of a seven and ten year old. All right. I've got two little girls and, you know, it's, and oftentimes it's like, Hey, don't do that. I wasn't doing it. It's like you, you know, it's, it's like, Hey, stop cutting the, uh, the curtains. I wasn't doing it. The scissors are in your hand, right? Like it's, (laughs) I, I give this as an extreme example, not that my kids run around with scissors cutting curtains, but but I say this, it's, you know, I didn't, I wasn't. It's like, yes, I just watched you do it. It was it was how my mother years ago would say, don't do that. And it's like her back would be turned like, I didn't, you know. And then it's like, how did you know that? Because I have eyes in the back of my head. And, and I say this just on a side note because it's exactly like you said. It wasn't me. It's always somebody else's fault. And we all know those people that, uh, and we've all had friends or we've known those people over the years that always, that never accept that responsibility. Lose and the act, mind. and the, and, and you, yeah. And, and you know what? And they stop becoming friends over time because it's constantly never accepting responsibility. And you only give somebody so many chances. And I think 
that probably there were multiple opportunities, I'm sure, to turn things around in Montreal, and it never happened. And I'm sure the same case happened here in Regina with the Riders. And here we are again. Like I said, I want to see Deron Carter. I want to see that personality on display in the Canadian Football League because it's a talent. Right. He's a talent. He's a and he's got a yeah. big heart, a big smile. You can see, you can see, you know, behind everything else, you can see the, the man wants to do well. He wants to. He wants to have fun. He wants to be liked. Like, you can see that. So you know, for the only thing I've ever heard is that he has a tough. He continually uh, feels like he has to voice his opinion uh, all the time. And I think, you know, from, from a corporate standpoint, you you know you can voice your opinion, but you have to try to to find. You know, there's times that you don't need to, and that's. Like I always say, Jane, this is why there's so many guys. This is why I'm I'm perfect for this show. I'm perfect for all shows because I'm because I've gone through I've gone through everything these guys have gone through. I've done it. I've been I've been that guy. I'm I'm still that guy to a point. I mean, I, I for trust me for those for those for the, you know me for those who who are like Chez Chez always got something to say. Chez, trust me, I'm only saying it half the time I want to now. I'm I'm biting my tongue the other half and. Uh, Duran, that's still, and trust me, it's still too much. So hopefully, I'm getting better, but it's still, I know it's still too much. So I, I would like to cut it down another 25 percent. But Duran, right now, I'm at 50. I want to cut it down to about 14, and Duran's at 97. I mean, you just gotta, you know, hopefully over time, you learn to, to pick your battles and know what's important. And 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 more importantly, the one thing, James, that we, you know, is that be humble. And when you do make a mistake, it, it you know, you're wrong. Then Admit it in order to people respect that. People can, you know, people. We all make mistakes. People can accept that, and I think that's another thing where Duran has never said that. If he came out and said, "Hey, you know what? I was wrong. I was in that locker room. I could have been better. I could have done this. I could have helped out my, you know, whatever it may be." I think people would embrace that. A story that I thought was intriguing, also out of Montreal. Tommy Campbell got scratched on that game last week after disobeying his coach and apparently he got healthy scratch because they got in a disagreement with his coach uh, over not wearing his chin strap buckled up all the way. I, I mean, like you said, I mean, you've been the, that guy and you've also been the good teammate. Um, is that fair or foul? Is that a little too much of a punishment? It's foul. No, it's, it's foul. It's 100% foul on behalf of Mike Sherman. It's It was... From what I've heard, it was walkthrough, and Tommy had one buckle done up and the other one hanging loose, which we used to play. I used to play like that, and a lot of guys used to play like that because that's how Dion Sanders used to play with one buckle up. So a lot of us who came up watching Dion used to follow his style, and we would buckle up one of our chin straps. And so I you talk about safety and <laughs> safety yeah. and players, safety, all that stuff. Now that's just crazy, but that's just how it was. I used to wear – I almost always had one chin strap buckled up. But – I'll look, Those I'll are for the guys cool. that didn't I'll... like contact, right? Yeah, exactly. It didn't matter for me because <laughs> I never used my helmet anyway, except for to sit on, <laughs> except for to sit on out on the sideline. But uh, but uh, when the offense is on the field, but uh, what I would add to that is there was that wasn't the one incident. There was a lot of other things going on um, accumulatively that that happened that uh, that uh, it kind of uh, seems like uh, you know that was that was the end of it. So I think I think there's been a situation with Tommy and and them for a minute now, and what it seems like, and and I think that that's uh, that was just the end of it. But uh, it's not about the chin strap. You you definitely don't 
call a player out. First of all, you don't need to put your buckle like a chin strap and walk through anyway if you're a veteran. Too bad. I, I wouldn't even have a helmet on and walk through if you're a veteran. And uh, second of all, um, if he's that gung-ho about it, uh, talk to Tommy after practice. You know, I think there's been more than that going on with uh, – there's a young group of DBs back there and a young young group of defensive players as a whole, and I think they're trying to build something there and, and guys buying into the culture, and I, I don't think that that's been – Tommy Campbell's been a good fit, and uh, I think I'll leave it at that. Okay, uh, let's just go through uh, just a, kind of in closing, just a quick uh, a quick snapshot at uh, at the four games on slate for, for week number 10. We're already at week number 10. This is kind of crazy. Um, you got uh, the Friday night matchup. You've got Ottawa-Winnipeg. I really like the way the Bombers are playing right now. You know, nice scrappy win last week over the Ticats. They are playing well right now. Ottawa... I don't know what I'm going to get. Ottawa is like a box of chocolates to steal the line from Forrest Gump. I don't know what I'm going to get every time I watch these guys play. Give me the Bombers uh, at home on this Friday night uh, against the Red Blacks. Yeah, we got BC, BC and Toronto. Do you, you, you kind of alluded to BC a couple of weeks ago saying you, you were starting to like what you were seeing defensively from the Lions. What are they doing right now that you like? That was yeah, a big win did. last week, by the way, and, and a nice comeback against, uh, against Edmonton, by the way. Huge. The last uh, look at the last three games. The last three games from the Lions, obviously uh, Edmonton twenty three points, and then the week before that, Calgary got Calgary scored twenty seven. But they've they've been they've been better. I mean, they held they held week five. They held Winnipeg to seventeen. So they the Lions have have, this is a defense that's going to get better. And with Travis Lule at at quarterback, um, they were under. They were under 300 total yards the first three games of the season, and the last four they've been over 400. So that's a 100, 100 yards a game difference in offense with Trav uh, at, at the quarterback spot. And they just look, they look threatening. And uh, when you have a guy who's consistently looking to pump the ball down the field when he finds his matchups, it's, uh, that's an aggressive team, and that's a team that, that, can, uh, that can be explosive. So... Uh, I, I like what they're doing. That they're getting stops when they, they they got stops last week in the second half when they needed to against a good Edmonton team, and and uh, so I do I do like what they're doing for sure. Uh, BC uh, they have yet to win on the road yet this season, and what can McLeod Bethel Thompson do for an encore? I'm certainly intrigued to see, but. I like the way the Lions are playing. Give me BC on that one. You got Saturday, the second leg of the doubleheader, Montreal, Edmonton. Give me the home team there. Uh, Adam Konar uh, has just been activated, and they cut bait on uh, Sammy Jaguar, but Adam Konar, that's a nice little boost to the lineup defensively. Uh, and then the final uh, the final game uh, looking ahead to uh, this week, you've got a Sunday game, a rare Sunday game in the CFL. The first, uh, And you've got Calgary and Saskatchewan. Boy, I'll tell you what. If there was ever a moment for Saski to uh, to turn things around, this would be the game. Do they have it in them though against the team that is uh, perfect on the year? They do. Sask is a team that they still have talent. They got they have players on defense. They have a quarterback who has you know played at MOP level for periods of time, and they have weapons on offense. They they could. They could they could win the game. There's no there's no doubt. Montreal, Montreal. I look at right now, and I think, look, they had five. They caused five turnovers last week, and still could win the game. If you cause five turnovers, you're gonna win. I bet you the numbers are like you're gonna win 95 percent of the time. But that just t- tells you uh, how much better 
other teams are in Ottawa and whoever else they play, the Edmonton this week is better than Montreal, talent-wise. But Sask has players. Sask, now, do I think they're going to beat Calgary? No. But would I be uber surprised if they did? No. They, they can't. They have, they have players, they, especially defensively. They have guys in Zach. Zach, if he gets going, can play. Trey Mason's a good, a very good back, talented. Think Penn's super talented. Obviously, Roosevelt and Holly, they, they, can, they have players. So that Sask, that's why we want to count Sask out and, and talk about, you know, is BC better than maybe now? And, you know, are they at the bottom of the West and all that? Let's not go crazy. They they're definitely got rid of a player that's, that is one of their best players, but they, Chris Jones can find him some talent and he can coach some football. So they, they're going to have a shot. Mark it down that if the Riders win this game, this will be the turning point for Saskatchewan season in 2018. Week 10, if they can win this game. And you know what? The way they played Calgary the last time, I got to tell you what, you got Caleros this time around. Give me the Riders to pull it off. Oh, James, you're crazy. I put my name on it this one, Chez. I put my name on it. So, there you Hot go. fire. There you go. Why not? Um, all right, buddy. It's the gift that keeps on giving, either whether it's Duran Carter or Johnny Manziel. And uh, if, remember, if you ever miss an episode of the Duran Carter and Johnny Manziel show here, which we like to call The Waggle, <laughs> you can uh, always find every episode in iTunes. Uh, and if, you, if, if you're at it, if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe and leave a five-star review as well. We like those. It goes a long way and keeps a whole lot of people happy as well. So, Chezzy, that was fun as always. Um, We'll do it again real soon, right? Good stuff, buddy. Good stuff, buddy. All right, man. Take care, y'all. Daryl Davis from the Riders. The party keeps on going. More Duran talk coming at you in moments right here on your favorite CFL podcast, The Waggle. Uh, an absolute pleasure to finally welcome here to the Waggle. Uh, this guy has been a fixture around the Canadian Football League for many years. And I'm not just saying that like it's like an old people shot or anything like that, because <laughs> I've known him for a long time covering this league as well. So uh, Daryl Davis joining us this week on the Waggle, a guy who, if you're a Riders fan, this guy was a must read and has been a must read, a must listen to for years. Uh, the former president of the Football Reporters of Canada. So for all of our uh, all of our colleagues that listen to the podcast, we got royalty in the house. Um, maybe not quite as controversial as some presidents out there, but uh, Daryl, welcome to the Waggle, sir. Th- thanks, James. I appreciate that introduction, and I did not cover Ron Lancaster. I just watched him as a kid. Okay. <laughs> okay, I'll give you that one. You're on the Green Zone now, okay. right? Yeah, with Warren Woods and Jamie Nye on uh, Rocco Radio in Saskatchewan, we we do a, a nightly sports talk show. And as you can imagine, the uh, the topic lately has been Deron Carter. He's often the topic, but now he, there's a even more so more of a reason to have him as our main guy. So let's just jump right into it. What happened here? Well, I, James, it's a it's a culmination of things. You know, when you watch him, you say, "What a great player!" Yes, he is a great player. The things that he can do offensively as a receiver are outstanding. He can also switch over to play defense. However, off the field, as popular as he is, he's not much of a teammate. He doesn't seem that popular around his lock. You know, the the players think, "Well, look at all the attention he's getting." And you watch him in practice. 
he doesn't work as hard as the other guys. You watch him in games. When the play isn't going to draw on Carter, he doesn't bust up to the line of scrimmage. So the defense says, oh, we don't even have to cover him this play. Those types of things over the years and uh, two pot charges, marijuana charges in the offseason, uh, complaining about the offense, uh, he's not getting the football enough. Uh, those type of things add up in a coach's mind. And I think that uh, the, the coaching staff under like head coach Chris Jones and offensive coordinator Stephen McAdoo decided he's no longer worth the trouble. Let's move past him. Is this one of those things, do you get a sense that this is a coaching decision where they kind of say, is this worth the headache? Or is this, or do you sense at all that maybe a couple of players from within said, you know what, this is a headache we don't want and don't need anymore? Yeah, that's a great point. But I think the coaches will make their own decision on it and then see how it plays. But they've been watching all along. You know, Deron Carter gets in fights with teammates. Uh, there's reports that he misbehaves on team flights and things like that. So they, they understand already where he stands with his teammates. It's up to them to decide, can, they, can a team overcome that? Can they put up with a guy like that? When you're winning, James, as you know, it hides a lot of flaws. But this team is struggling a little bit now. It's lost two straight games. This is a huge part of its season. There are six straight games against West opponents. They're 0-2. They've fallen to 3-4. and Their last place in the West, tied with the BC Lions. They need something to get them back on track, and maybe this will be something that does that. Well, and you it's crazy when you think about it, and you touched on it right from the get-go, that You've got a guy who is so incredibly talented, Daryl. Like, uh, here's a guy who mm-hmm. is, I think most people would look at and say this is a top 10 talent in the league and maybe the yep. best playmaker in the Canadian Football League right now. He is everything you would want in a receiver, and he's talented enough to go and play the other side of the football defensively. And not only that, we, we saw small sample sizes of, you know, a pick six touchdown against Bo Levi Mitchell, one of the best players in all of the game uh, on this side of the border. And yet here he is, uh, you know, another team's walking away from this guy for the second time in three years. And, you know, but and it and there's so many times I look at at Deron Carter and, and I and I man I've drank the green Kool Aid or or whether it was the red and blue Kool Aid in years past too where I, I I talk to the guy and there's a fun personality and he's a fun loving guy and you think man maybe this guy is just misunderstood I don't think you can look at that anymore as a guy being misunderstood when you see what exactly he has offered in terms of its college problems, its problems when he was in the National Football League or trying to make the NFL. It's it's now here we are in the Canadian Football League. He's got two outstanding pot charges. And in one breath, yeah, I know marijuana is going to be legalized in a couple of months here in Canada, but they're still outstanding, like it's still against the law right now that he's that he's dealing with. I don't think we can say he's misunderstood anymore. This guy's a legitimate problem, I think, in the room like you alluded to. Mm-hmm. And if you look back at his history, he doesn't stay very long in very many places. So the, those are the type of guys who you always wonder about. Uh, can he set up shop and, and stay in one place? No, he can't. Uh, why not? Because he's all about Deron Carter as opposed to being part of the team. You're right, James. You've talked to him. You meet him and you see him in Regina. He's a popular guy. He, he wades into the crowd, even in Winnipeg, and visits with everybody because he's got that type of personality. Remember last year in the East Final in Toronto, 
he went out and invited Rough Rider fans to come and join him at the movie theater, and he paid their way in. So those are the types of things that he does, and uh, uh, you know, a lot of fans love him because of that. But in terms of what he does for a team, he causes more rifts in a team than he does with a glue bottle. <laughs> yeah, that's and that's and like and now you sit there and you wonder, okay, where do you go now, right? Where where do you where do you take a chance on Deron Carter and? And I look at, you know what, a perfect example. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers is a team that could totally use Deron yeah. Carter, right? And I and I look at what, it, it, they went out and they go and bring in Adarius Bowman, and I think they hoped that they could recapture 2016 yeah. Adarius, and obviously that didn't happen. But he is that big play, big target that Matt Nichols mm-hmm. would covet and the rest of the offense would love to have. But there's no way in H-E double hockey sticks that I think that Mike O'Shea's taking a chance on that guy in that room. Would you not agree? True enough. And the Darius Bowman, when you deal with him, is isn't as disruptive as Ron no, Carter. No, he's right? a good he's trying guy. To, it's, he is, but he's just fallen by the wayside because of age, right? Yes. Ron Carter is still basically in his prime. And it, uh, we, there's no debating his athleticism. There's just the only thing is that Deron Carter is one of those guys who thinks it's backwards, that the name on the back is more important than the name on the front of the jersey. And that's what finally got to him. I know that Chris Jones wrestled with it. He's, he's uh, as the head coach, he's really taken it upon himself. Last year, he met daily with Deron Carter. Every morning, they would talk about things and make sure that Deron Carter was on track and ready for the day. This year, he said, I thought that he had matured enough and that we – we can let him go on his own, and evidently that's part of the problem, that Deron Carter isn't mature enough just to stay involved and focused on football. He's one of those guys that, you know, oh, I'm so good, I don't have to work on it. When have you not seen the best player on the team is also the hardest worker? And Deron Carter, if he worked at it and focused on it, could be, obviously he'd be in the National Football League, but they saw through his act as well. So did the Montreal Alouettes, so so many other teams. And the Saskatchewan Rough Riders have just decided they've seen enough to let him go somewhere else. The one thing I got to preface, because there's a lot of fans listening to us kind of sit there and, and now find, find the warts in Deron Carter. There's a personality that the CFL wants and needs, right? I mean, like you mm-hmm. said, I mean, he's a fan favorite. And the way he interacts yep. with fans, you need more personalities. I mean, stars sell, and he is a part of yep. star personality. But, you know, there's something that he needs to find inside. And I don't know if it's just a case that this guy is a spoiled brat or what, but there is a fun-loving personality that fans embrace, oh, yeah. whether you're a hero or villain. But... You know, you don't want to see a guy out of the league because of the personality he brings. And he sells tickets like he is an attraction. Yeah. And there's and the league needs more of these guys. But, you know, a team like Winnipeg's not going to take a chance on him. Calgary that has, I think, enough leadership and veteran, uh, you know, sort of voices in the room, they could handle a guy. But they obviously show no interest. Edmonton, mm-hmm. I think, is that sort of team. No. Then you hear about the teams that are. BC. Well, you look at what the team that they were last year. I don't think there's enough veteran voices, or in this team is quite. I think they're too fragile a team to be able to handle that. I wonder about yep. the Tiger Cats might be able to, the Argos might be able to, and then you hear about the likely destination, Montreal. You know, and it's never boring around Deron Carter. How many times you were talking about what a fan favorite he is? He's a media favorite too. We love those I guys. Agree. You never shy away from interviews. Hey, he's always there. He doesn't get mad at the reporters. He kind of gives you, ah, well, you, ah, shucks type of stuff. And you say, oh, great. But there he is to face the music every day. Even when he's being criticized, 
He's there every day. That's an endearing quality, isn't it? No, and that's it. He, he doesn't shy away from that sort of stuff. He does address it. I mean, he did take to Twitter after he was cut and at least addressed it in, in his own words. Uh, you know, it, he's out there, and that's and that's why I say this, like, as much as, you know, depending on the team that it wants to take a chance on, I still want to see that personality in the Canadian Football League, it's just who's willing to give him a chance. And, you know, to, to, hear, the, to hear rumblings and reports, Daryl, that somebody's got to be, you know, he was easier to coach on defense. Like, that is, you know, how do you take a guy who is that talented out of the out of his comfort zone? You know what I mean? Because he's going to behave yeah. better? That's mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, but when you look at it, he helped this team way more on offense than he did on defense. Yeah. He's, I know he's only a thousand yards, but what, that's been part of the question. Why did the Rough Riders switch him to defense? He's an offensive player, a, a star as player, as you said, maybe the top 10 and one of the top 10 players in the CFL. And then you take him out to play him on defense because your rookie corner got hurt. That's just not right. Uh, I don't care. You, yes, you can have him there to fill in on occasion, but don't just switch him to the other side of the football and say, here, you now are defense, a starter on defense. That hurts his football team. And uh, Deron Carter was learning it, but he's not a great corner. He can play the position, but there are guys better than him. And, and it ended up hurting the Rough Riders as well. It made him start grumbling and second-guessing what the coaches were doing. And that doesn't look good on him either. What sort of uh, let's go back to the riders here now as a team and and look I think there's the expectations I thought that this was team this team was a legitimate Grey Cup heavyweight contender going into the season with the moves that they made and maybe chemistry still has to be uh, found as as a group when you look at some of the acquisitions and and a lot of the veterans that they've cut bait with over the last couple of seasons but you know this team is struggling to score points you know not bad defensively but what's been the biggest achilles heel for this team is it quarterback play or what do you see uh well losing zach Caleros hurt them not that he was the you know the god's gift to quarterbacking they brought him in in the offseason from hamilton paid him for they reduced the salary and paid him four hundred and thirty thousand dollars, uh which is a drop in salary for him and you're thinking okay he's the savior no they said right from the start chris jones said He's in a competition for the starting role with Brandon Bridge. So all of a sudden you're starting to think, okay, well, why aren't they so certain that uh, Zach Caleros is the starting quarterback? Well, he wasn't quite uh, – he, he wasn't like leading the offense the way that you see Bo Levi Mitchell or Mike Riley do it. He was, he was you know, questionable as a starter. So then he steps in, and the first thing we asked in the offseason is, why are you spending that much on a quarterback who's suffered from concussions, from at least two concussions while he was in Hamilton? Sure enough, he gets hurt right away. Okay, they think, well, Brandon Bridge played pretty well last year. We'll put him in as a starter. They've hamstrung Brandon Bridge. Stephen McAdoo, the offensive coordinator, won't let him throw downfield, won't let him run the football, and those are two of Brandon Bridge's strengths. They're making him throw a short passing game. He's not very accurate. So they're trying to fit around peg into a square hole. It doesn't work. So they're very they're very bad at the quarterback position. Uh, losing Duran Carter took a weapon out of their offense. And their offensive line is getting better, but it started the year horrendously bad. Uh, you alluded to the, some of the players they've cut. Uh, leadership guys are gone. Rob Bag, Bakari Grant, Chad Owens, and Peter Diakowski were veterans who were on this team last year. They wanted somebody to step forward and be the leader. Your quarterback naturally will be your leader in Zach Claros, but with him being hurt, that's hurt that team an awful lot. They don't have somebody to follow, somebody they can truly believe in, like the great quarterbacks in this league, and that's why the Rough Riders are struggling right at the moment, James. You know, and I wonder, this is year three for Chris Jones. 
when you look at all the pages he's turned on guys who were loved in Ryderville, um, whether it was, mm-hmm. you know, Darian Durant, and then you look at no, just, you know, it's the list goes on and on with Rob Bag and, you know, cutting bait on Chad Owens. Not that he was, the Owens was there all that long, but, you know, so many, um, so many guys that were loved in the community over the years. And, you know, now you've, you know, Deron Carter turned out to, to not war. The experiment didn't work in the long run. If this team, like, is he on the hot seat here yet, or does he still have time? Uh, Chris Jones has a year left on his contract. They extended it through to 2019. Mm-hmm. So, but the, what, what he gets criticized for is running everything. He's a pretty good head coach. I think he can, and I think he understands the, the most important thing is rating your talent. Do you have good enough talent? Yeah, he's got pretty good talent. But he's got to decide on all these things as a defensive coordinator, as a head coach, as a general manager. And it doesn't seem like anybody in the organization argues with him. He's all powerful. Like when they say, when he says, okay, I'm taking the best players over to defense, which he does with, with guys like Toby Antigua and, and uh, Deron Carter. These are offensive guys quite often, great athletes. Oh, I'm putting them on my defense. Nobody stands up and says, wait a minute, Chris, because he's the boss. And, and there's never any doubt who makes the decisions on this, in this franchise. He does. And he should be the guy who lives and dies with them. At the moment, there's still enough of uh, he's got enough sway behind him because they pay him an awful lot of money. They're not going to cut him, cut him loose yet. Uh, if they don't make the playoffs this year and then they struggle next year, I don't know if they'll extend his contract into next year, uh, past next year. But I think next year they'll really start looking at do they want him to continue here as the boss. Nice to catch up with you, buddy. I feel like the last time we had a chance to catch up, it was probably in the FRC suite at uh, some ungodly <laughs> hour, uh, drinking the uh, the last of uh, some warm beer that somebody had brought in after we ran out. But uh, you, keep, you keep the good. You uh, listen. I will say this, and and for a lot of fans that don't necessarily even remotely come close to seeing this side, Daryl has been a not only a fixture but a lifeblood of uh, the CFL community from a lot of it behind the scenes. You read a lot of his stories, but you know you do a lot of the heavy lifting and, and the grunt work in terms of setting up the suite. And for all the media guys, and after a long day and a hard day's night, you know you give a, a place of refuge, if you will, where we spill stories and argue and bellyache and just love listening to the sound of our voices and for so many years. So thank you. You know what, on behalf of like for myself and so many others, Thanks for being that guy. Honestly, I really appreciate you being that person. And, and you're the keep it real police because you keep the party going when all the other places have closed <laughs> down. You are a fixture of Grey Cups and around the CFL. So thanks for doing this. Nice to catch up with you after all this time. Great, James. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Probably see you in one of these upcoming Grey Cups. I sure hope so. Yes. Provide, <laughs> yes, I certainly hope so. Uh, where can people find you on social media if they want to give you a follow? At Daryl Davis SK on Twitter. And uh, I, I write quite a bit for Three Down Nation, too. So, uh it, it ticks off a lot of Rough Rider fans, and isn't that part of the fun? <laughs> exactly. I, you know what? You're getting, you're eliciting a reaction, good or bad. You're mm-hmm. eliciting a reaction. Thanks, Daryl. Okay, you bet, James. Thanks, Daryl Davis, the one, the only, joining us talking all things Riderville and Duran Carter this week here on the Waggle.